0: Until now, we were exploring our first steps into the world of spirituality. And we said, well, before we can have a working definition of Hashem, we can't even make a simple statement like, I believe or I don't believe. I did this exercise, and I think we may have done it with ourselves. I don't know if we did. We do the tooth fairy exercise. We did the tooth fairy exercise. Whereas, Well, do you believe in the tooth fairy? and uh, we had uh yeah, I think we had some people that were kind of still clinging onto to it, but I think they eventually let it go. But what's interesting is when you ask people do they believe in the tooth fairy, some people may say yes. And then you say, well, what does that mean? And they'll like, say, I don't know, I, I just kind of believe in the tooth fairy. So I say, well, what does the tooth fairy look like? And they like, I don't know, it's like it's a tooth fairy. You know, I, I just So I said to them, well, how do you know it's true? So they say to me, well, I put my tooth there and I... I Open, you know, up, we lifted my pillow in the morning and there was a shekel or a rand or if you know, if you're like a, if you're, well yeah, I'm saying if you're like a, a uh, ooh, ooh, thank you. If you're a, um a upper income Jewish child, probably like, I don't know, like an investment portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> So I so said, what, what do you, like, let's kind of imagine, like, well, what this tooth fairy's job is. So it has to kind of have an unlimited amount of currencies and be extremely flexible and, like, also have huge amounts of updated information as who's about to lose it tooth? And a lot, a lot of times, like, my daughter lost a tooth this morning. I mean, it was kind of predictable, but there was, like, definitely days of leeway. So the tooth fairy has to be, like, properly on the ball. And when you actually start to speak out the details of what the tooth fairy would be, the belief in the tooth fairy becomes an absurdity. But when you say to a person, Well, do you believe in God? And they may say, Yes or no. But regardless of whether their answer is yes or no, if they can't clearly articulate what that God that they believe in is, so then their statement is essentially nonsensical. So either you're saying you're believing in God or you're believing in not God and that's that's one of the things when you you know, when you, when you speak to a person, they either say one of those two answers and you say, say to a person, well, do you believe in God? And they say, no, uh, uh-uh. so you can ask them, well, what don't you believe in? What don't you believe in? So they may say, well, I don't believe that there's this really angry person, uh, being that kind of zaps you if you, if you do something that he, does, that he doesn't like. A- and you may reply to him and say, me neither. So they, the person may say to you, well, but then why are you wearing that religious garb? Why is your beard grown upon your face? Why are you um, shockling back and forth at an average rate of 30 SPM? Ooh. for a, a minute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm saying that's that, that's not too fast. I mean, if you go to some of the that's elite... It's quite slow, actually. It is quite slow, but again, it depends what the purpose of the shockle is. If you're talking about, you know, prayer shockles, so then they generally tend to be... Um, Faster, I, I was speaking about a learning shockle ah. whilst you're learning a you your average speed is about thirty spm when you when you are in the midst of prey, people hit And i've what seen this SM? i've seen <gasps> uh, shockles so, per minute obviously. so, so you know, I've, I've seen people hit hundred and twenty like with ease with ease with ease and and sometimes I don't know sometimes sometimes so some sometimes you get people literally. You know, it's hard. It's, you, you need to have like it has to be caught in video to actually measure it. So, like, so uh, you can't just time it and count it. It's like two, three hundred. Like, whoa! You need a speed camera. You, you need a, you need a speed camera. Um, yeah, apparently there's a. So hold on. So what, so they ask you that question. You're, why are we'll They say to the me. Shocker. They say to me. You know how many chakras per minute? I can I, I can generally answer them because in my range. But if they ask me what. You said, you said, oh, they said to me, you're religious, and like, you saying that you also don't believe in the God that I don't believe in, I say, sure, like, that's, that's absurd, like, what do you mean, there's a, that's an absurdity, what, there's like this, like, kind of really angry guy in this guy, and he kind of keeps on zapping, up. <laughs> that's, that's ridiculous, like, I'm, come on, I mean, hello, hello. So, so, what we've done in, in our stuff, we've done some good work, we've done good work, because we've, uh, <laughs> hi, hello, thanks for coming, it's so nice to get your occasional appearance. Yeah. Um so, We just, we just happy to have anyone like walking at any point in time. We have no expectation that anyone would want to come on a consistent basis and like build up the whole flow because why would you? Why would you want to have like a coherent understanding of what we were talking about when you could just pop in sometimes and get something out of it? So one of the, one of the things that we pointed out is that the starting point of spiritual activity is a really grand and expansive intellectual exercise. Because it starts off with a mystery of existence, which is an unsolvable mystery, because no one knows how this thing began, because there was a beginning, but there was before the beginning there was something which had no beginning. And that defines our understanding and reasoning. And once we move ourselves to that level of comprehension, that the being that made this all happen, if you're subscribing to a spiritual notion, it's Beyond anything we can fathom, it always was, always will be. It makes everything come into being at all times. If it were to cease to exist, everything would cease to exist. It's absolutely independent of any other power. It has no complexity. To it. It's a simple and singular being that controls everything. And once you've defined that vastness, that grandeur, that that incredible, beyond human comprehension starting point of what spiritual world means. So then these ridiculously, um, contorted projections of the God image become absurd in relation to it. And therefore, that's what most people who, who, who initially Perhaps would suggest they don't believe in God and say, so, well, who's the God you don't believe in? They're probably going to suggest some kind of distorted image and say so things, well, religion's always called wars and bloodshed, which, which may be true, but that's absolutely irrelevant to the question. So kind of turning that back on ourselves, we have to think, well, who is the God that I believe in? Is it this always was, always will be, or is it this, 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 and this kind of this, this, this companion or this, I don't know, a nice guy, horrible guy in this guy. And then you know what happens um, a ton? What can actually happen is we just convert our religious practice into a psychological projection. And Marx was insightful when he critiqued religion as being the opiate of the masses. It's and can be a psychologically reassuring um tactic, strategy, to tell yourself stories about a nice guy in the sky that's going to make everything good for you. But that doesn't have the same edge as real spiritual growth, which is an uh, unbridled, brutal courage to face the reality, whatever it brings to you. And that's why now listen to this. This is this is kind of a, a corollary corollary of the above point. There, there, there's this nice little stickel in chumash. So now l- let's talk about this. Is this is just you'll see the you'll see the connection, Ralph? I say to you, what would you rather have? You know, someone just offered us a nice selection of different kinds of, uh, confectionery goods over here. I can see some rugelach. I can see so, some more rugelach. And I think over there there may be some, some more rugelach. And so I say to you like this, okay, I'm going to give you an option. How would you like to have, um, a rugel or how about, a, a clump of earth? No, you can, you're the choice is yours. How would handful. You, a handful of, of dirt. Hands or dirt or rubble, You know, like how would you how would you respond to that choice?
1: Probably the You'd
0: probably choose the rubble. That's what you're trying to do. Um, so now, in other words, would you would you would you agree with me that that's not really a choice? I offer you I, I offer you I offer you um, one is clearly more valuable than the other. One is clearly more valuable than the other, and therefore there's, there's no real element of choice involved. If I offer you a single malt scotch. Which is peaty and a single malt Scotch, which is fruity. You could say, okay, now now there's something to 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 kind of think about. If I ask you, what would you rather have? You know, the 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 new Tesla or the the new Porsche? That's there's 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 room for both. You know, do you want to have the like the the brute power, or would you rather have like the sophistication and the technological advancement? If I say to you, what would you rather have? The new Tesla or my nephew's broken tricycle? (coughs) No choice. No choice. What would you rather have? Would you rather walk off the plank into this shark-filled water or sit on the deck and sip a martini? No choice. What would you rather have? Someone comes up to you, they put a gun to you and they say, your money, your life. You say, hmm, interesting. Nice choice. (laughs) You're not gonna, You're going to say, obviously, you want your life. Good. So now, If I'm giving you something, I'm giving you a choice. In Hebrew, when you say the word natati, natati, I've given you, it means I've given you something of substance. If I give you a bag of garbage, that's not called giving, because you're going to reject that gift. If I'm giving you something, it means it has worth. We're building up this paradigm. Are you with me, Adam? Yes. Lovely to have you here. Good. Okay. So listen to this. Ray, see, nosati lefonecho, hayoyim, I've placed in front of you today. So Hashem giving us two things, two options. I'm giving you this, and I'm giving you that. I'm giving you a choice between them, which means they're both legitimate, viable options. They're both legitimate. Otherwise, there's otherwise, there's no giving. You're say, I'm giving you, um, I'm giving you two options. Yeah, I'm giving you um, single malt scotch, twenty four year old, uh, slightly PT or arsenic, cyanide. Say which one would you like? you it's, it's not giving me two things. You're giving me one thing. You're giving me the scotch. Yeah, but I know the end of this possible. Well, aren't you just so bright. the end of the day, it's still a choice. No, man. it's not a choice. Even if you're an idiot. No, if it's, you're an idiot, that's not a choice. That's insanity. It's still a choice. No, it's not a choice. A choice is between two things where there's a real option of... Your money of, or your love. If your money means more than your love. Yeah, when but you when you're dead, you can't enjoy it. it. Your money or your life. My money. Oh, what a pity. Lose the money. I'm not saying I would choose it. I'm happy to hear that. Okay, good. You have to know what that means. What does it mean? It's, it's absurdity. You can't enjoy your money when you're dead. Your money or your life? Uh, my money. Boom. <laughs> what do you mean? It's insanity. The choice of your money or your life means would you rather give me your money or would you rather die? It doesn't mean what's more valuable to you, your money or your life. Obviously your life is always more valuable to you. A choice is when you have two possible arenas of choice, not when you have one which is, what would you rather do? Jump off the roof or stay out. Uh, that's no, that's interesting. Now, I'm <laughs> assuming that you're not suicidal. There is no choice there. Okay, good. So our Kodesh says to us, the creator of all worlds, creator Hashem, says to us, listen, I'm giving you two options, guys. Two options. Two Bible options. I'm going to give you, hmm? I'm going to give you, uh. today I face in front of you two options. The one is... It's a chai v'sa Life and goodness. That's one thing you could choose. Oh, how about this? It's a maves v'sorah. Death and evil. There you go. So you've got... Yeah, I'm offering you two things. I'm offering you the single malt scotch. Or how about poison? So you say, oh gosh, that's hard. That's hard. Like Which one should I choose? Whoa, 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 whoa. Boy, why are you giving me such a hard choice? That's not a choice. That's not a choice. This is a ludicrous assumption to say. This is insane. How can it say it? Think... It makes no sense that's not offering you a choice how would you like to do what you like death or life um i don't know it's a good question what would i like uh you know what would you like It's it's a good child this is a insane thing to suggest so what does this mean and this hinges into this whole work that we've been doing until now building up our first step to spirituality Because what happens, which is really our next stage of investigation, what happens when the Hashem idea hits the reality of our mundane world? What happens? This is what happens. This is what happens. In our world, we have two options. There is a spiritual option, and there is a material option. Material is a synonym for death. Because physical matter, over the course of time... Disintegrates. Doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't last forever. Death means something has an expiry date. It will terminate. Doesn't mean it's going to happen tomorrow. It means that there is no eternal continuity to this item. Life means forever. Death means endpoint. In our life, there are two. Str- we are straddled between two alternate realities. One is a reality which is a continuity, has a longevity doesn't expire, and one that expires. One is called life, one is called death. Even if um, a person prolongs their fatal disease for numerous years, it's still death. Our mortal being being has been given a death sentence from the day of birth because no one gets to the age of 120. I'm okay, I'm doing okay. I'm just gonna push it to 130. And then you see this guy at like, 600 years later and you say, how's it going? See, oh, I never didn't, I just didn't go for that death option. That's like not an option. You're born, you die. So that means when do you start dying? From the moment you're born. I not am sorry if I'm, if I'm breaking this to anyone. Um, <laughs> I know, I know, I know maybe something which is, which is like not inappropriate. It's not, it's like really not the kind of tabletop conversation you want to have. but we have to understand that in our experience of reality, if we're trying to adopt the spiritual practice, we actually experience two viable options in front of us. The one viable option is the path of life, connection, um, eterni- eternity. And the other path of life is destruction, um, expiry, Fragmentation Dissolving One is life and one is death We experience those two But our experience of those options Doesn't bring with it Our normal repulsion Towards Two options where one is Blatantly better than the other And that's a mystery Meaning a person entrenched In a spiritual system Which is let's say us And we subscribing We're subscribing to the Jewish spiritual infrastructure And that's where the Torah starts speaking to Speaking to a generation of people That have just come down from Sinai, They experience the giving of the Torah They experience the most profound prophetic revelation And these are the people being spoken to And for them there are two options The one option is life and the other option is death And they're both as viable as the other experientially Now how can that be? So this is where a great man, Peterberger Peter Berger, puts in an incredibly powerful spiritual lesson. The entire world hinges upon one basic fundamental. We need to be free to choose. Fear removes choice from our capacity. So, for example, if um, we neighbor... We are neighbouring a neighbourhood which there was a lot of violence in, not so long ago, Sheikh Jarrah, and there were people who were hurt. Let's say I walk, I'm walking, and I'm lost, and someone informs me that I'm in a neighbourhood where there may be danger to my, to my person. I don't have to start thinking, oh, okay, it's going to be dangerous. Now, what should I do? I go, it's dangerous, and I run. There's no need for mediation between the information and the visceral experience of that fear. It just happens automatically. It just happens automatically. When a person poses a threat to me, or when I understand there's a threat posed to me for either loss of life or pain or anything else which poses some level of threat to me, it automatically will make me run away from the source of the threat. You see a, um there's a dog, it's called a burbur. Bur. You know what a burbur bur is? Like, it's a, it's a vicious, like, really well-built dog. And it loves the feeling of flesh between its teeth. So you're, like, walking along the road. And your neighbor's boober has kind of jumped over the fence. So you don't go... You, ah! And you climb a tree. Why? Because no one. you don't, like, sit there and think, OK, he's a dog. I don't have to be scared of him. Let me think about what I can do to make myself scared. It's a complete... It's a complete... Natural reaction. So, in other words, things which are extremely destructive to our life, we will avoid like the plague, and we have no choice over that. And even the person that manages to overcome danger, he'll never be able to rid himself of that lurking fear. When he lets that person has to do something, even though it's dangerous, he'll still be scared inside. In order for us to choose our destiny. Hashem has to create the human psyche with a glitch. And the glitch is the emotion of fear stops working when it comes to the spiritual realm. Once there is no fear, so then the viability of life and death become equally plausible. And choosing life is one option, choosing death is other. Because what would restrict me from choosing death is my natural um, repulsion because it poses such a deep danger to me. But if that fear is removed, well, how about this? I wouldn't mind giving a bit of a death a try. So, a natural component of our spiritual quest is the mechanism of being scared to do the wrong thing. Being enriched by doing the right thing is removed. In order... That that component of ourselves is completely and totally open to our choice. Because were it to be different and were the mechanism of fear to work across the board, whether it be spiritual or physical, so then we would essentially be robotically programmed to only do what's good. Now the consequence of this discussion is that the first step of any spiritual progress involves cultivating a fear of spiritual danger. Once that fear has been cultivated, everything else is an automatic flow. And ultimately, there's only one choice that a person ever makes in their life. It's to cultivate the fear or not. If they choose to cultivate the fear, so then the automatic response to danger in the spiritual sense will be programmed if they refuse to cultivate the fear, so they will have no response to danger. So the one that cultivates the fear will live a life avoiding spiritual danger, embracing spiritual richness. And the one who doesn't cultivate the fear will go head on to spiritual danger and be totally obliterated by it without feeding an iota of pain or awareness. And now we reflect on the Gemara which says a very profound thing in relation to what we've just discussed. It says, Everything is ordained by the highest spiritual powers, but the fear of heaven. Meaning, that's not something that is actually a part of our emotional equipment. It's something that either we earn, or we don't earn. But that's ultimately where the um, axis of our spiritual life starts to begin. That's why, like, gone, like you know, yeah, a Saudi is like, no yet because they, they like, have that Once Once you've integrated the spiritual system into your being, meaning that you have a real retention, you just, just get, you're just not going to go there, it's just too scary. So then there's, someone says to you, well, how would you, like? imagine, imagine you'd cultivated the sphere. And the difference between a person who's who hasn't cultivated the fear and someone who has. Let's say a person who has cultivated that fear in a very, very light way. And someone offers you a um, something which is a, a spiritually spiritually damaging opportunity to eat food which for Jews is not kosher, and they say to you, Well, how would you like to sample this cheeseburger? Um, a person who is not cultivated the fear will say, Mmm, mmm, hmm, I don't know. Well tell me, is the bun fresh? Mm, is the beef 100% pure <laughs> is the cheese superbly aged and delicately spiced <laughs> oh, could be an option da, da, da. okay but a person's cultivated the field. it's like you say to him hi how would you like some cyanide how would you like some sulfuric acid <laughs> he'll have automatic repulsion there's no choice he'll just run away how come but, we can have repulsion in some fields but not the others Okay. 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 That I think is enough for today, um, and now we can we can we can start to take it a little bit further.